0: Hi and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonholm and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. It is so such a privilege to be hosting you in church today. And um, as one of the team here, can I just especially say... Um, If you're a guest here today, if you're with family, maybe this is kind of an unfamiliar scenario. I hope it's a positive unfamiliar scenario to you actually, Um, but it's a real privilege to have you here today. We really honour the fact that you came to celebrate with us. And um, Good Friday really is the centre of the Christian faith, Um, but it really has a contradictory aspect to it. It is the greatest tragedy in all of history but it won the greatest victory in the heart of every Christian believer, Uh, every person who's put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And if you've come today for the first time and you've not had opportunity to do that, there will be an opportunity in this service to put your your faith, your heart, your trust in Him, like so many that have done it here. So many actually that have done it at Easter here in previous years, but it is a contradiction. The greatest tragedy achieved the greatest victory victory. My whole hearted hope this morning, if you're watching online or if you're in the room here at Sutherland Shire with us, is that you would experience love this morning. The love of a God that thought you were so precious that He would die for you. Um, That is the love of the Father's heart toward you in sending Jesus Christ. Um, So Ben, thank you so much for being up this morning. Can we give them a hand and we're gonna send them down. They're amazing. I just could have them up all day. So incredible! Did anyone have kids that badgered them this morning for Easter eggs? Just a couple of days too early, right? It's Easter weekend. We had Easter eggs on porridge. Kids did anyway. So <laughs> I had bone broth. But anyway, that's that's for another <laughs> that's for another day. So. <laughs> um, I, believe it or not, have a really, really high pain threshold. And some people that know me in the room go, I know. And others are like, you're lying. And if you don't know me, you can just go along with the story. Um, But I don't like pain. I have a very high pain threshold, but I don't like pain. I don't like the pain of the traffic in the morning between the school drop off and the work, uh, arriving at work And, and often I have a meeting right on the line and I'm rushing and it is pain. I don't like the coffee and my drink is along black so it's particularly dangerous, it's not viscous enough to stay in the cup and it dribbles and I don't like the pain of the coffee dripping inevitably on what is a white shirt. Does anyone else experience that pain? (laughs) Then... There's the Lego in the middle of the night, treading barefoot on Lego on the way to the bathroom. Has anyone felt my pain in the room? Uh, And I've got the damage to prove it. And that is not even mentioning, once I get to the bathroom, what I find on the seat, and I won't say it because I'm in polite company, being a home full of boys. (laughs) Then there's the pain of the leftover schnitzel in the fridge that I've dreamt about all day at work only to discover my sons ate it for afternoon tea because they beat me home with their dad. Pain's an interesting thing. One of my clearer childhood memories was attending the dentist and I don't know why, maybe there was no babysitting that day, maybe mum wasn't available, but I remember attending the dentist with my dad who ended up having an impromptu root canal therapy on the day I was with him. And so from the muffled groans of pain, I could tell that it wasn't a pleasant experience. If anyone's ever read the memoir of Roald Dahl, is anyone familiar with um, Roald Dahl, the author, the English author, amazing, wrote Matilda, if you're familiar with that musical? Well, he's written a number of biographies, and in one of them, uh, entitled Boy, it's his early childhood, and it details an episode where um, he sat in a dentist's or a doctor's seat rather, and had his adenoids, which apparently are an appendage connected to your throat, they perform a function with your tonsils to remove bacteria, but often like tonsils, they get in the way, cause infection, and Paul, who is a doctor's nodding, but he had them removed by surprise without pain medication or anaesthesia in the book. As you can imagine, and I can see the looks of horror, I did a lot of Googling after that chapter in the book. There was a lot of Googling about that episode. The advent of anaesthetics, and if anyone's medical in the room, you would be aware that anaesthetics actually began very late in history, the mid 19th century. And I'm actually shocked to see that we survived so long without anaesthetics. I mean, we had distraction and all sorts of substances that might numb our consciousness in some way, but anaesthetics kind of only came on the scene in the mid 19th century, and it was a miracle. It was the miracle, where heart surgery could be performed, things that used to take people out in life could suddenly be achieved. It was an incredible miracle that suddenly uh, the foray of medicine opened up because the impossible was possible. Anesthetics was a miracle to humankind, so to speak. But the problem was, we never really conquered pain with it. We never conquered the question of pain with it. In fact, the miracle of anaesthetics wasn't really a miracle at all because anaesthetics was just a temporary break from a world burdened by pain. A world the Bible says is groaning under the weight of pain and Suffering and many can relate. Maybe in your workplace, you've seen what people have gone through. Maybe in watching the news last night, you scratch your head and you ask the question, Why, God, is there so much suffering in the world? And aesthetics was just a temporary break from a world burdened by pain. And even in that, the temporary break that it gives us doesn't actually ever really touch. The real pain, the heart pain, the questions that human beings have, the hurt of rejection, the weight of separation, the pain of the human condition, the weight that we carry. Just have children for five minutes and you'll understand what I'm saying. But there is a weight that comes with the human condition. And if you're familiar with the Bible and concepts of Christianity, you understand that the Bible says that we are under the weight and slavery of sin. And we feel it in every relationship. We feel it in every interaction. We feel it in the day to day. We feel it as our body ages and fatigues, that the world is under a weight of pain and suffering. It's interesting, long before the first Good Friday, a prophet prophesied to a people that were in a world of pain, an ancient people, a people that were under captivity of a foreign power and all the yuckiness that comes with that, the lack of freedom, the no, no ability to decide day to day how you will spend your time. No sense of destiny. No sense that I'm my own man or woman. I can build my family, build my vision and all the pain and deprivation that comes with it. And in the middle, the prophet prophesies about someone that we have later called the suffering servant. And it's a quizzical passage because you would think that a rescuer, you would think that someone who comes in to fix the muck, which is what the prophet prophesies about, would come as a king, would come as a deity, would come with obvious power. And yet the prophet Isaiah speaks to these heartbroken people about the suffering servant. And this morning, I want to read it to you. It's out of Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 5. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him, when we looked on and saw what was happening, punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was Pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. In the last moments of Jesus' life, Luke, who's uh, a doctor, a doctor of the time, didn't have the anaesthetics, didn't have the technology, but had the, had the observant eye of a medico, writes in Luke 23:44 to 49, It was now about noon and the darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he'd said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness the sight and saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. It's a picture of Good Friday. He didn't stand apart from the pain of humanity. Going back to the birth of Jesus Christ, which we celebrated just literally five minutes ago. Anyone remember Christmas? Feels like it evaporated that time between Christmas and Easter. The angel tells Mary, this child that you are about to give birth to, this child that God has conceived in your womb is the answer to the world and His name will be called Emmanuel. And yes, in His life, He is Emmanuel. He lived the life that you and I live. The pain, the disappointments, the relational ruptures, the things that we go through. But in His death, He is God with us, identifying with our pain, identifying with our suffering. On Good Friday, He becomes God with us not God from a distance, not God unmoved, but God Emmanuel with us, identifying with us in our human condition. You know, when it comes to our human condition, I want to ask the question this morning to all of us, right from the youngest to the oldest, what does the suffering servant do about our pain? I want to ask the question if you're online, what for 21st century people like you and I, men and women sitting in Sydney, Australia or other parts of the world, what does the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 and then subsequently in Luke giving his life for us, what does the suffering servant do for our condition? Well firstly I want to say he enters our pain and carries it. The passage is a description of an innocent man. The passage that we've read is not the description of someone who deserved it, who had it coming to him, but the passage is someone who willingly enters into the pain, not haphazardly, not um, kind of fallen into it, but very deliberately on behalf of you and I enters into our pain and drinks the cup of suffering. He stands in our place to destroy the slavery of sin. He takes upon Himself our suffering, our sin, our human condition willingly to stand in our place for a sentence of sin It's a humbling reality that what he suffered on Good Friday was not of his own doing, was not his own sin. He was a righteous man, Luke says. It was your sin, our condition, our suffering that took him to a cross. Recently, uh, I was in the Hyde Park um, area with my kids. We'd gone into the Australian Museum, went across the road for lunch, unintended visit, sitting in Hyde Park, and we were gazing upon the war memorial And i got to say in that moment, my boys are very, very curious and they were asking me questions. And I found myself giving an account of wars from the Crimean War to the Vietnam War, World War I and II, all about Hitler, obviously at a six-year-old level, very sanitised, very, very simple. But they wanted to go and take a look at the war memorial and have a look at what it was all about. And they were captured um, by something that was in the Hall of Silence right in the middle, a sculpture called Sacrifice by George Rainer Hoff, which features a warrior lying across a shield and a sword, having given his life for the freedom of his people. And I watched as my sons came face to face for the very, very first time for someone entering into pain and suffering on behalf of somebody else. This is what Jesus did for you on Good Friday. He's not God far away. He is God right in the middle of your pain, taking on your pain and your suffering in 1941. A prisoner escaped the notorious concentration camp of Auschwitz in southern Poland. And as a result, the deputy commander identified 10 men who would go to a bunker and be starved until life expired. In the middle of it all, one of the 10 selected cried out, my wife, my children, and Maximilian Colby a priest um, of the Christian faith put up his hand and said, take me instead of this man. Let me go in his place. He has a wife and family. I need to give my life on behalf of the freedom and the life that he is destined to live. This is the story of Jesus for you. Good Friday was your debt paid, your pain and suffering identified with. Put on that cross forever that you may go free. It says in Romans chapter five, verse seven to nine, and maybe you're unfamiliar with Scripture and I I truly believe you'll enjoy it and engage with it and it'll bless your life and it'll be available, by the way, at the end of this service if you don't actually own a Bible. But a beautiful passage in the New Testament, the, the, the more recent part of the Bible says in Romans chapter five, seven to nine, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But this is the heart of God for us. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is love. Before you even knew you needed Him, that He would choose you and give His life for you. You know, as Aussies, we are renowned and we're an amazing and mixed bunch in here. We're an incredibly multicultural church. Um, But as Aussies within here, this multicultural bunch, we have a deep and shared sense of justice. What is fair? What is right? What is equal? We've got a deep sense of it has to be fair, right and just and we'll fight for it. It's got to be fair, what Jesus did was not right or fair. He didn't get we didn't get what we deserved. We got what we didn't deserve. The eternal f- freedom, the eternal life, the freedom from the weight of sin and suffering in every area of our lives. He did what was not fair. He loved us. He saw our state of pain and suffering under the weight of sin and chose to do, not chose not to hold on to the right of innocence. His rights as God, it says Jesus Christ being in very nature God, did not consider His godliness something to grasp, His equality with God something to grasp, but made Himself nothing for you and I. It wasn't fair. He identifies with our pain. But I want to go on to say He doesn't just identify with our pain. You know I think there is such an incredible power in empathy and there's been so much research done in this area in recent days around this concept of compassion and empathy and the power of it towards human beings. But Jesus didn't just stop there because empathy is great, it's comforting, but comfort without redemption is powerless. So I wanna say this morning, not only does He identify with our pain, He actually redeems our pain. He actually enters into it. He knows pain and He transforms it. Isaiah 53 talks about Him that He was familiar with pain and suffering. It's like the prophet is saying he understands what it's like to go through heartbreak in life. One of the words actually indicates he understood in his body what physical pain was like. He went through and endured sickness in his body, just like any human being would. But he goes into it and actually transforms the hopelessness and we come to Good Friday, which seems like an oxymoron, it seems like a contradiction. Good Friday, not Black Friday, not Horror Friday, not Tragic Friday, but because he's actually gotten into our pain and transformed it from the inside out, wipes from our lives, wipes the internal agony of being separated from our maker. He gets into our pain and he transforms it. The worst event in history becomes the greatest victory for all humanity. He remakes it. In 1996, in the town of Dunblane, Scotland, and many may remember the incident, An armed gunman entered a school and took the lives of 16 students and one teacher and injured many, many more. A young Andy Murray, and you may know his name if you're a sports fan, was actually in the school on the day. He was nine years old and whilst he, his life was spared, he took shelter in a classroom, seeing the events from the vantage point of a scared child under a desk, observing what was going on, um, and was deeply, deeply traumatised by the event, as was the whole town. Andy himself went on to um, incredible success as a tennis star and part of the tennis for him, part of the sports was actually overcoming trauma and working through it. And he reached the highest heights in tennis and still going strong. But it got to a point in his career where um, he wins the US Open, wins the gold medal. And upon the Olympic gold medal is asked, would you like to be lauded in a ticket tape parade in London um, on the basis of your victory? You know, you, you're you an incredible guy. This is what we wanna do. The nation wants to celebrate you in your victory. But Andy turns around and says, no, no, I, I don't want the ticket tape parade in London. I actually wanna go back to Dunblane. I actually wanna go back to the place of my greatest pain. I wanna go back to the place where there is a stain on a town because of pain and suffering. I wanna go back to the place that is capped by a tragedy, an event that has irrevocably shaken this town and capped it seemingly forever. I wanna go back and I wanna be celebrated there because I want this town to enjoy the victory. I wanna give the spoils of my victory to this town. I want this town, Dunblane, to celebrate one of its sons. And I want the stain to be removed in the light of victory. Well, he goes on, he's celebrated in his town, he goes back, it's incredibly emotional. The town with a population of 8,000 people has 20,000 people turn out, 10 rows thick, the waiting and the celebrating. And suddenly the pain of tragedy and the identity of tragedy and suffering is redeemed in the light of victory. It says in Ephesians 4.8, He climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized the plunder and He handed it all out in gifts to the people. I wanna say to you this morning, no matter what you've come in with, no matter what your pain in life has been, no matter what your experience of God has been, His Word to you this morning is He wants to get right into the pain that you're experiencing. He wants to get right up close and personal with you in your human experience. He is not God far away. He is not God at a distance to you this morning. He is Emmanuel, God with you. But not only up up close and personal, not only connecting with your heart this morning, understanding your pain, understanding your condition, understanding and removing the separation between you and your Maker, but actually He wants to completely redeem your life. Not only did Jesus ascend, it says, the mountain, which is allegorical for He, He went to the heights to achieve your redemption. I love that Scripture. And He handed it all out in gifts to the people. Andy Murray didn't celebrate in London as a personal victory, he handed out back the victory to the town that needed a redemption in its identity. Jesus Christ can redeem any pain you've gone through. Jesus Christ can redeem the worst sin in your life. Jesus Christ this morning can wash you clean from the weight of shame and guilt. There is nothing you've done. There is nothing that has been done to you that He can't heal. There is nothing you've done that He can't forgive. There is nothing in this world that he can't redeem and turn around for your good. But I do wanna put the caveat this morning on this question of pain. Yes, Jesus identifies with our pain. No other God, no other deity, no other leader in the history of the world would humble themselves and go on bended knee to take on your pain and your suffering, enter into it to redeem it. But I do want to put the caveat on it that actually your pain this morning can actually be your greatest gift. You're probably scratching your head at me at this point, you know, because in the Western world we hate pain. I hate pain. I can't stand it. I have a high pain threshold, but I can't stand pain. We drink, we distract, we distance ourselves at times from those in pain because we don't wanna feel the transference where we don't like pain. And yet pain ironically can be our greatest gift. There was an incredible surgeon some decades ago called Dr. Paul Brand. And he's an incredible human being. He, he hung out in some of the most painful places of the earth, namely leper colonies in India. I've walked in some of them myself, actually. Painful places of human suffering. And he said this incredible statement that, yes, there is a place on earth free of pain. We're all longing for a place free of pain. And he said, there is a place on earth free of pain, but it's no utopia. It's actually the leper colonies of India, completely free of pain, because leprosy robs the patients of the ability to feel. He was, in fact, he and you can look him up, he made the discovery as a doctor that the disfigurement that lepers, people with that terrible disease, Hansen disease it's often called, the disfigurement and the characteristic appearance of a leper is not caused by the disease itself. It's caused by the lack of ability to feel pain in the leper and as a result, the horrific injuries that end up happening to lepers, the disfigurement in the fingers, the disfigurement in the face, all the things simply because they lacked a warning system to take decisive action, to spare themselves from damage. You know, He made this statement, God designed the human body so that it's able to survive because of pain. It's an indicator that lets us know that something is wrong. And as a warning system, it becomes clearest in its absence the absence of pain becomes painful in itself. You know, when it comes to your soul this morning, that longing you feel at the depths of your being, sometimes that there's no words to express what you're feeling at 1am in the morning. Maybe the questions you've had about existence, maybe the pain of loneliness that you have felt is actually God's great warning system drawing you to Himself, drawing you to a love relationship with your Maker. C.S. Lewis, the incredible author, and maybe you've come across your kids' books at school, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, or you're familiar with them yourself. Also a great theological author says, suffering explains why this world can give glimpses of joy, but no lasting security. And it's because you were made for another world. Yes, we live in this world. Yes, we live and we breathe and we build relationships, but Jesus Christ died on that cross at Calvary, knowing that your life and your purpose and your existence makes so much more sense in something much bigger than this world. Your existence and your life. In fact, there's only three things that will go beyond this world. And that is God, God's Word and the souls of human beings you will live on with God or without beyond this world and maybe pain and longing is the greatest gift that you will have this Easter because it will lead you to his door it actually says in Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death and we say we think straight away yeah like physical death and yes Death entered the world because of sin and suffering entered the world because of sin. The choices that a human being, human beings have made tethered the world under the slavery of sin. But it shows up in the death of relationships. It shows up in the death of hope. The wages of sin in the world are death, but the gift of God and He presented it to you on the cross. That first Good Friday is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin are death, it's pain, it's consequences in the fallen world, but you can access this morning the greatest gift of life in Jesus Christ and is literally a prayer away. Oswald Chambers said, uh, I read this week, a beautiful passage by Oswald Chambers, great thinker on the things of God and faith. And he's commenting on the cross and what it offered. It says, the heart of salvation. And it may be an unfamiliar word, but your soul needs saving. You need redeeming. You are precious to God. He bankrupted heaven. We sang the darling of heaven crucified. Jesus Christ was the pearl of great price. Jesus Christ was the precious Son of heaven and you were worth it to God to send Him to redeem you. God does not see you as a piece of junk. God doesn't see you as an item to be discarded because it's broken. God is, give me that one. I will redeem them. I'll clean them up. I'll transform them. I wanna bring them to myself. When my sons muck up, when they get it wrong, I don't want them to hide in shame. I want them to come to me, come to me. The relationship is everything. We will deal with the behaviours and the thought patterns, the worldview at some point, but the relationship matters first. The heart of salvation is the cross of Christ. The reason of salvation is, is so easy to obtain. That one prayer away is that it cost God so much. This morning, you'll pay nothing to say yes to Jesus Christ. It is His free gift To you on this Good Friday, but it's free because it cost God so much. It says the cross was the place where God and sinful man merged with tremendous collision and where the way to life opened, but all the cost and the pain of the collision was absorbed by the heart of God. Can I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning? We've got a great company of people in this place this morning, and it's amazing. But this is a private moment, this Good Friday. All of heaven is leaning into you. The Son of God loves you. You may have come this morning and this may be a very unfamiliar scenario to you, but I'm daring enough to say that you are not unfamiliar to God. In fact, the Bible says that He knows how many hairs are on your head, He knows how many washed down the the, the shower drain this morning. He knows how many were shed on the pillow last night. He knows you and He knows the secret thoughts of your heart. He knows the question marks you had this week. He knows the struggle that you're having in your family. He knows the pain that you're experiencing at work. He knows the weight that you're carrying with illness. He knows the secret questions of your heart about life, meaning, purpose and existence. And all He asked this morning is, will you trust in what I did for you on the cross? Will you trust this Good Friday that I see you, that I identified with your pain and that I wanna come into it and radically redeem it and transform it? He wants to take you, you don't need this morning to have all the questions answered. It's a response and He will take you on a journey of relationship. But it begins with saying yes this morning. When my husband proposed to me so beautifully, I didn't have all the answers to what our life would look like. I had enough to know that saying yes was a very, very good idea with this man. But the yes was a step of faith. I didn't know how life would unfold. I didn't know the children that we would have or our financial state or anything like that. I didn't understand everything that that would entail. But deep in my heart, I knew it was the right decision. There are people here today and you need to make that decision to say yes to Jesus Christ, to come back and be reconciled with your Maker. You know, you may be a very successful person here. You may actually even be serving our community and doing amazing things. But that ache in your heart will never ever be reconciled until you say yes to Jesus Christ and take His hand and put your trust in Him. And He will transform you from the inside out, like He's done with so many, many people in this room. In a moment, we're gonna pray a prayer as a whole group this morning, a whole church, all, everyone here is gonna pray in support of those making this decision. And if this Good Friday, you need to say yes to Jesus Christ, maybe you once knew Him. Maybe at school, you gave your life to Him at a chapel. Maybe you went to Sunday school. Maybe you had parents that were believers in Jesus Christ. And for whatever reason you walked away from it, life happened. Do you know God's heart is not one of judgment toward you? It's actually of a Father that is running toward you today and saying, come back to me, I love you. You know, we sang um, the son of suffering and it says, who can believe the God that weeps. Do you know God weeps over you? He weeps over you, He weeps over your soul, He weeps over your heart. But also it says He captures your tears, He notes them. It says the Bible uses this image, He bottles our tears. Church, let's pray. And if you're praying this for the first time, why don't you pray it from your heart and God will hear you. And this morning, you're coming back. He loves you. Let's pray, Church. Dear Lord Jesus, I give You my heart. I give You my life. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. Break every chain. Free me from the burden of sin. Today, I'm coming back to You. Today, I'm coming to You for the first time. Thank You that You've come into my life. Thank You that together, You'll be my Lord and I Your child. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if this morning you prayed that prayer for the first time and we have people in our church every week that do this, or you're coming back to Him, In a moment, I'm actually going to get you to show your hand just long enough for me to see I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you out the front, but I do want to pray a prayer of blessing over you because this is an incredibly special decision that you're making this Good Friday. On the count of three, you're coming back to Him or you're coming to Him for the first time. Would you give me a show of hands? One, two, three. You're coming back to Him this morning. Thank you, sweetheart. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you, mate. Thank you, mate. Is there anybody else today? Thank you, mate. That's awesome. Is there anybody else that is joining those four people today? Thank you, sweetheart. Is there anybody else today? And you know that you're not. your life is not right with God. And this Good Friday, you want to put your trust in the son of suffering. You want him to transform your life. There's a stirring going on in your heart and you need to respond. Would you give me a wave as I give us just a moment longer? You need to come back to Him and make your life right with Him. Is there anybody else? Would you give me a wave? Thank You, Jesus. Jesus, I just thank You for those that gave their lives to You this morning. We declare Your goodness over them, God. We declare Your healing, God. We just thank You, God, that today Everything changes in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day, and we hope to see you again soon.